Today on the Dean Dome Talk, we discuss a few of the basketball games that have just happened, including UNC versus Elon and UNC versus Furman. We also discuss uh, the show, the matchup between UNC and, and South Carolina that will be happening in Charlotte at the end of December. And we talk a little bit about basketball and the Champions League in Europe. But first, it's tip-off time on the Dean Dome Talk. to the Dean Dome Talk. I'm Gaddy, and uh, joining me is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, some uh, fun old exams and just some work stuff, busy holiday season, but uh, we got some games to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into our quick fire facts. How about that? Want to take us away? Yeah, we got some We got some good ones this week. So first off, <clears throat> we'll start with some women's basketball. Georgia Southern won a basketball game by 118 points over carver college just the other day the final score was 133 to 15 oh God. i wonder which team was better <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh scoring 15 how, how do you how do you play a college basketball game and only score 15 points like just chuck it from half court the whole game and and, no, score more. and not just that how does the other team score 133 points while you only score 15 yeah yeah what like, um, how, i want to know how many steals were in this game probably a bunch um it was the second largest win margin in uh division one women's basketball history the second largest Yes, um, and it would, the the first was um, when Savannah State beat Wesleyan by 129 points, which was actually just a couple years ago, in 2018. Um, now, to be fair, Carver College they were not Division One; it was just Georgia Southern who was Division One. So okay, that's that. That makes a little bit yeah, of sense. Carver College is a tiny college, very tiny college. So, um, but I mean, Georgia Southern's no joke though, because in that game plus the game before, Georgia Southern had scored a combined two hundred fifty-four points. Okay. Um, okay. So they are a they're an exciting offense. Definitely an exciting offense. Yeah, like. The women's basketball is also 40 minutes, but it's yeah. in four quarters. Four quarters. Which I yeah. like more, honestly. Yeah. I like the four quarters more than I like the two halves. Yeah. but uh, And that's what, yeah. you know, um, the pros are. Too. And it, it gives rest 
in between the quarters, so it the players are a little bit fresher. It also helps with the fouls and the foul shots. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, but in other women's basketball news, UConn women's basketball has dropped to its lowest ranking since two thousand seven. Oh, oh, how how low are they? Are they like oh, twenty? So they're they're are they're doing like, awful. Are they they're are, are they about right to just now. fall off the rankings here? Yes, they're at number seven, just about to fall off the face of the earth. They might as well not even play basketball anymore. <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah, seven. Um, it's but that shows you just how dominant of a program they have. That it is historically bad is if that, they are only the seventh best team in the country. Is that after um their their star star yeah. got injured and um, the injury? Paige Beckers, yeah, yeah, she um. I mean, I think she's done for a while. Yeah, um, like reevaluating like six weeks or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Which is not a season-ending injury, but it's gonna no, put they a think dent she in the can season. come back. Yeah, they think she can come back. So you know, UConn needs her if they're only number seven in the country. <laughs> um, but uh, we we got some more college basketball news, except in on the men's end, Coppin State was very excited for their road game at Drexel. Um, but unfortunately, they forgot to bring their jerseys. They got there, realized they didn't have the uh, jerseys. So Drexel offered Coppin State the Drexel practice jerseys. And that's what they wore. <laughs> yeah. official Division One basketball So game. it was essentially Drexel versus Drexel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now Drexel um, did end up actual Drexel Drexel Dragons actually did end up winning that game, seventy six to sixty nine. Okay. okay. I hope <laughs> someone explained to the fans what was going on. Yes. Um, you know, like a commentator, like sat. Hopefully, got on the loudspeaker was like, "Hey guys, uh, both teams are gonna have Drexel on their jersey because one side forgot to bring their jerseys." Um, <laughs> Poor Coppin State. They're one in yeah. fourteen. One in fourteen. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe man. they could get better if they brought their jerseys to the game. Yeah, um, but maybe the practice jerseys helped them out. Actually, and made it a closer game. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they should just never take jerseys to games. Yeah, just always borrow the other team's jersey. You know. Yeah. See how that it works. Um. Yeah. One one more piece of college basketball news. Purdue basketball. Got up to number one in the country, but the, it did for not for the first time in their history. By the way, first time in the his, their history, but their time as number one in the country was shorter than the Apollo Eleven moon mission. <laughs> yeah. Apollo Eleven was it was in space for longer than Purdue was number one in the country. Uh, the number one curse is real. It truly is. It is a burden too heavy to bear for any team at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then finally, in quick fire, another blowout game. Oklahoma City Thunder lost by 73. No, they, yeah, yeah. In an NBA game. Not a preseason game, not like a joke pickup game, like a, a regular season NBA game. To the Memphis Grizzlies. And they're teams. not even that great. Like it's one thing if it was like the Warriors or something, but 
73 to the Grizzlies is pretty whack. Yeah, so Memphis put up 152 points on the on the OKC Thunder. The most uh the most in their history. Also, this was out without John Morant as well. Oh really? Oh, wow. No John Morant. That makes it worse. So the Thunder now have the largest road loss in history, 57 points to the Pacers last year. Uh in, in last season in May. And they have the largest home loss in NBA history. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> uh looking at the box score. Uh just make sure that doesn't make a sound there. Um I'm just sort of <laughs> Oh my god, the bench scored. Like everybody <laughs> on the uh Grizzlies bench scored double digits except Killian Tilly. Really? Uh, actually, yeah, Killian Tilly only wow. scored six points. Everybody else on the bench scored double digits. Um Desmond Bain only scored two points. And uh, Steven Adams nine, and everybody else in the starters scored double digits, but still, like nobody dropped forty or even thirty for that matter. The closest was Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. twenty seven, but jeez, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a beat down right there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that is uh, that is the quick fire merciless yeah. beatdowns left right and center yes yes so the opposite of competitiveness yes but speaking of competitiveness let's talk about uh, some unc things happening mm-hmm. uh let's, let's go ahead and start with some football not much not not much but some big news though yeah yeah um sam howell announced that he's going to play in the bowl game against south carolina on december 30th which is frankly a huge surprise because you know after last year when so many of our star players opted out in the orange bowl of all games um one of the the new york six bowls you know we all thought okay well sam howell is going to opt out of the duke mayo bowl right like (laughs) what's what's the point of playing in that bowl game it's not a not a big game at all and and the trend around the country is big name players who are going to go pro in like it's their final year and they're about to declare pro and they and if they're in a small bowl game they don't play but Sam Howell's changing that and that frankly I'm very excited because do you know where he started his career at UNC? Uh let me guess it was in Charlotte against South Carolina. Yes, yes and now he has a chance to end his UNC career in charlotte against south carolina which is just like a, such a fitting end um I, i'm i'm very excited about that but sam and I it think... doesn't have to be the end come back again <laughs> come back for a fourth year yeah <laughs> stay with us forever please um hey who knows he might be able to break the ac or get second place on number of uh, touchdown passes by an acc quarterback i think he's four behind philip rivers um, so if he has a dominant game, then maybe he'll maybe he'll do it. Maybe, yeah. But uh, also in college football, UNC, you know, it was uh, one of the signing days today. I don't remember which if it was the early one or like the official one. It might have been the official one, uh, or I don't know. It was one of the signing days, and so a lot of football players were signing. 
And we got a commitment from the number four player in the country in football. In football. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, our class is right now ranked number one in the ACC and number eight in the country. That is actually crazy. <laughs> we we have a better recruiting class than Michigan, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Auburn, Clemson, Florida State, LSU. I mean, like speaking just... of Florida State. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They had well, their, they had the number two overall football recruit. Um, number two by some measures, number one by other measures. Um, Travis Hunter supposed to play cornerback, I believe. He committed to Florida State verbally, and then on National Signing Day, Deion Sanders of Jackson State University somehow managed to flip him from Florida State to Jackson State. Jackson State's not even <laughs> FBS football team. It's FCS. <laughs> I mean, what in the world? Oh, also, Florida State had a wide receiver committed to them, and that, that receiver just uh, flipped to Louisville. Oh, really? Yes. Florida State's a hot mess right now. Yeah, this isn't good. This this broke three hours ago about this receiver. So two players. Two players now. That's that's big news. That's really big news. <laughs> Poor Florida Gosh. State. Oof. Yeah. That's, when you start losing your recruits to FCS teams, that's when you know it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. But uh, I guess let's let's get back to the UNC news then. Let's talk about basketball. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so let's talk about uh, oh, well, actually, there there is one little tidbit here. Uh, this came out over the past week. Uh, it's that both Roy Williams and the late Dean Smith will be having portions of Interstate Forty named in their honor. So that's uh, cool. Yes, the Dean Smith Highway and the Roy Williams Highway. The certain portions of I-40 uh, we uh-huh. named in their honors. So, awesome, I guess. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Having a highway yeah. named after you. Yeah, not too many people can say that. Exactly, you know. But yeah, uh, let's, yeah. let's go ahead and jump into the games. Um, mm. Let's start with UNC versus Georgia Tech. The first ACC game for Coach Hubert Davis in He's now 1-0 in the ACC. Um, nice, so, nice. Some notes about the game. Uh, I noticed that we attacked the bucket a lot. And we did a, a lot of a, a very good job of isolating the ball handlers and limiting their passes. Um, and when the offense was moving off the ball, we were really doing a good job with uh, tracking everybody. Uh, Teco didn't really understand how to score without Michael DeVoe. Mm-hmm. And they didn't understand defense. <laughs> and That's a when, problem. Yeah, and when you look at the record, it shows. It mm-hmm. truly shows now, um, especially recently. So the good, so the good, bad, and ugly here. The good is that this was an actual dominant win. The mm-hmm. bad is that we looked a little bit shaky midway through that first half, letting Georgia Tech go on a 13-0 run. Uh, that was without Caleb Love on the floor. Also mm-hmm. to note, Kerwin Walton had seven minutes and zero points. Dawson Garcia was basically a non-factor in this game. Mm-hmm. But the good ugly is that this team is very deep with talent. 
four players with 15 points. That is very, very good. Also, mm-hmm. the rotation that, was short, but everybody played well. Yeah. And this is the first game where we start to see leaking Aunt Harris, Anthony Harris, sort of being rotated in and out for each other. Almost a similar mm-hmm. defensive pieces. Um, mm-hmm. That's something I really, really like on one hand. Uh, and on the other, it's... I don't know why you couldn't have both on at the same time, though you also do want to rotate them to you know, keep them fresh because you're always pressing on the accelerator at UNC. Um, mm-hmm, but those two combined limited the best player in, in the entire NCAA for points per game in three-point percentage to 13 points on one of five threes. Mm-hmm. That is Good. That is, that is straight good. up good right there. The defense is good. starting to show with that game. Yeah. And that yeah. took us into the UNC versus Elon game back in the Dean Smith Center. This was a special game for us because this was the first time we had gone to an in person UNC game since COVID hit, the COVID pandemic yeah. hit. Um, this is, in fact, my first time being back in the Dean Smith Center since. The UNC Duke game in 2019. So it was special, yeah. a special homecoming for me. But, um, you know what? I, I actually let Andrew take a shot at, this, at the good, bad, ugly here. So, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and I'll, go ahead and shoot off. I'll, on I'll this. give it, I'll give it a try. Um, so, so here's the good we did some things well, the, the biggest being free throws. And that's going to be my focus on the good. Although, I'll also talk a little bit about fouls and. Um, forcing fouls and every starter having a steal. So the free throws, we were 27 of 35 from the free throw line, which is 77% overall, which like that's very good on its own. It's also great that we were able to get that many free throws. Um, but when you take out Armando, because uh, Armando is not the greatest free throw shooter, and he had eight free throws, um, without Armando, we were 24 for 27, which is about 89% from the free throw line. Which is absolutely amazing. I mean, and it wasn't just like one guy did great. I mean, Dawson Garcia kind of led the way, eight for ten from the free throw line. But you also had Caleb Love four for four, um, and Anthony Harris six for six from the line. Um, so like that's gonna be the focus of the good. Although we forced a lot of fouls, which kind of helped get us those free throws, and we were forcing fouls early, which was big. Um, three of their starters had three plus fouls. And one of their guys off the bench also had three fouls. So, like, we were, we were doing good with that. And then another thing is our, our, every one of our starters had a steal. Um, Armando actually had four steals somehow. <laughs> I don't know how he, of all people, had four yeah, steals. Yeah. Uh, um, I think we did a very good job of trapping the ball sometimes. Yeah. As, yeah. Especially trapping the ball handler. And mm-hmm. also, Elon was fairly careless with the ball. Yeah, they, they they got they got a lot of confidence early in that game making bad shots. Yes, yes, that first three was um like a ridiculous three, and then they made another good three after that, and then that yeah that boosted their confidence too much. Um, but that's the good. the The bad though was our offense. We just we never looked threatening at all. I never 
when I was sitting there watching, I was never thinking, oh gosh, like we're going to just tear them apart. We're going to go on a big run. And like we went on a couple runs here and there, but it never felt great. It never, our offense never felt fluid. Um, not an, on transitions. Like, I don't know this, when you're, when you're a UNC and you're going against like a nobody team, like Elon in the Dean dome, like, I don't know. It feels like one of those games where you start co- creating separation by going on the fast break after rebounds and after steals. I mean, we had so many steals um quick passes get up the court you know make a quick basket but it didn't really look like we did that i mean we had a decent amount of transition points because we had so many opportunities um but it just like we got to improve that by acc play also our big men looked really bad down low like we were able to get points down low because i mean it's elon they are they were two and eight after that game so not the greatest opponent but come ACC play, we've really got to improve our interior offense and find a way to have our offense cause fear in opponents. And I don't, I don't think we've, we did, we definitely didn't do that this game, and we really haven't done it much this year. And that leads me to the ugly, which this is part of the reason why our offense was never threatening. Brady Manick and RG Davis combined for one for ten from three. You just. like okay sure one game but you can't do that in acc play you know let's hope it's just them getting it out of their system but one for ten from those two guys and those two should be ones who are making a decent amount of threes um you combine that with the fact that kerwin only took one three and he missed it and you know gaddy's talked about how kerwin's not scoring um like we we got to improve our three point. Yeah. Our three point. He didn't score yeah. versus Elon either. He took a yeah. terrible three, yeah. fadeaway three, a fadeaway contested three. That I like the like Andrews beside me and he heard me say no 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 don't take that <laughs> <laughs> when that happened. Yeah, and he yeah. obviously missed it. Yeah. So. Uh, the only person who was making threes this game, well, only two people were Dawson Garcia and Caleb Love. Those were the two guys keeping us afloat this game. Mm-hmm. Both of them at 22 points. Yeah. Caleb and Love Dawson Gar- with that windmill. Yeah. Ooh, dunk. that was a beautiful mm-hmm. dunk. That was a beautiful dunk. Eat that up all day. And Dawson Garcia, yeah. like I said before that game, he's a matchup nightmare. There is nobody on that Elon team that can compete with him. Yeah. And it showed. And he had a... A quiet 22 point game a twice you know, a, a quiet 22 point game shooting 50 percent from the field yeah yeah um which is crazy to say that you can have a quiet 20 plus point game but you know and that that's a positive right even though i'm talking bad about the offense i mean when you can have a guy who is just like consistently putting up points um and doing it in a way where it doesn't look like he was on fire, right? Like it wasn't one of those games where you sit there and say like, oh, it's just his night, right? It was just like he was taking good shots and he was making those good shots. And if he can, like that that seems a little more repeatable 
something that he can like do more and be more consistent with long term than maybe like having a great hot night, which was you know good to see. Yeah, I mean, eight of his twenty-two points were at the free throw stripe. Yeah, like they were fouling him; they couldn't stop him, so they were fouling him. Yeah, so yeah, that like he was getting some easy points there. Um, somebody we should also two people we should also highlight. Uh, Leaky looked really good this game. Mm-hmm. Only two points, but don't let that sort of cloud his sometimes off the ball, sometimes on the, the ball defensively, applica- like uh, um, contribution to the game, and also the the hustle and just he just knows where to be. He yeah. is he's he, he is experienced enough to know where the ball is going to be, and he will be there to win it. That's something mm-hmm. that you don't see in a lot of other people. It's something you didn't really see with Theo. Like a lot of people compare Theo and Leaky. They're not the mm-hmm. same player. Yeah. By any means. Yeah. But Leaky in his own right is like contributing a lot that to stats that just don't show up on a yeah. box score. Yeah. Uh, the other person I wanted yeah. to shout out, he did. He only played five minutes, but I was oh, yeah. very yeah. impressed with his positioning. Was um, Demarco Dunn? Now he didn't get any shot attempts, or, or he got one assist and a foul. That's it. But being in person allowed me to see things that the camera wouldn't always really show you. And Demarco Dunn went on the court. He looked extremely attentive. And he was always moving. This isn't something you see with most freshmen. He was always moving. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. like, that's a veteran his, yeah. thing. Keeping his eye on the ball. Moving. trying get, Getting open. Stretching the defense. He was doing this stuff. I, I really liked what I saw. I was just disappointed he didn't get any shot attempts up. Because yeah. he had openings to do it, but it just didn't happen. I I yeah. really hope that uh, Hubert Davis and the coaching staff see this and give him more time, put some more minutes mm-hmm. out there for him. You know, and yeah. even Dontre Styles, let's see some more minutes from him because yeah. he didn't play at all this game, not a single yeah. minute, which is so curious. I don't understand why. That is weird. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Then we have a uh, we have a third game, right? Yes, UNC versus Furman. Um, so it's back to me, all sort of on this with the good, bad, and ugly. Now Furman coming into this game was a team that was known to shoot a lot of threes. How many threes? Well, they average about thirty threes a game. Oh gosh! Wow. Yes. And they hit the over on that with 33 this game. In fact, they shot oh, wow. 10 of 33 this game. And uh, it resulted in a halftime score of 39 to 39. Uh, where they were they were making buckets. And we were answering them enough. So it never really got out of hand. Now versus a better team... This might have been sort of a, a deficit going into halftime, maybe like 45-39 or something. But 
things really change in the second half. And you can point to one man as to why. Armando Bacon. And holy crap. Uh, his second half. His second half game was just unreal. Um, now. The points don't point, point to it being incredible. But he got a 14.12 rebound double-double right there. And almost all of it came from the second half. He was exactly where he needed to be. He showed up defensively. He showed up offensively. Broke down the Furman defense. And really created space and uh, chances for his teammates. So let's talk about the good, bad, and ugly about this game. So the good, Armando Baycott second half. Really, really good. The bad was our bench depth was just not there. Um, sort of just looking, Artie Davis did not have a game to remember. And even versus Elon, his game wasn't very good. He, like, it was okay, one of four from three, four of ten shooting. And against Georgia Tech, it was a lot better. Like, 23 points against Georgia Tech. But versus Furman, R.J. Davis didn't really do very much. and Didn't really shoot much. His assists, though, were up. Seven assists for R.J. Davis, which was, which was interesting. But our shooting percentage was, was 5 of 16 from 3. That's not good. That is not good at all for a team. Um, and sort of the ugly of this game is that we let up 39 points. 39 points in this first half. In the half, yeah. Yeah, with some bad shooting on our end. And we played some bad defense as well. That was the first yeah. time in a while where the cracks in our defense started to show. We let the trailing guy just walk up and take a wide open three. That's a big no no. Yeah. Uh, and if we do the same thing against UCLA, which is uh, this Saturday, number four UCLA, we'll be in trouble. We'll mm-hmm. be in real big trouble. Definitely. We will get torched. Um, that's yeah. going to be such an interesting game because um, on the AP poll, we're number 27. Like, we win. versus Furman. We won one more game this week, and we're ranked. But, oh, look at our next game. It's versus UCLA. <laughs> uh, it, it's a tough test, man. It's a really tough test. And then after that, I believe we play App State. So it gets a little yeah. – it gets much easier there. Easier, but, uh, yeah. And I don't know. Like, I guess this is sort of going to transition into our preview – UCLA, though I don't want to, I don't want uh, this to go forgotten. Dawson Garcia had a game, another yeah, twenty point game, another yeah. twenty point game, a 20 double 10. double twenty point game, but yeah. twenty points, ten rebounds. It's real, real good, right there. One one thing I'll say is that this felt like a little bit like the opposite of the um um of the Elon game because Elon game, you know, I was saying, well, the big men just they didn't look good but you look at the big men in the Furman game um baycott garcia both had double digit rebounds both of them with four offensive rebounds apiece and then brady manic had three offensive rebounds i mean that's huge it's 11 extra possessions between the three of them that they were able to create um that is huge uh and then also all of them shot amazing uh, Garcia seven for twelve, Baycott seven for twelve, Manic six for nine. 
Whereas the guards this time had more trouble. RJ Davis, two for eight. Caleb Love, three for ten. Um, so a, l- a little bit of a reverse from from last game. Yes. Uh, also to note, Kerwin Walton, zero points again, again. on six minutes. I don't know what's going on for him. It's just this bad form of shooting. Since the Asheville game. Yeah. He hasn't scored since the Asheville game. He hasn't made a three since the Purdue game. Oh, man. And, I mean, like, last year, he... You know, he had a slow start to the year, as most freshmen do. But starting with the Kentucky game, he really started consistently giving us good minutes, producing very well, shooting very well from three. Um, I mean, he was, like, our only good three-point threat and that was pretty consistent but then this year like i don't know like he's not doing that he shot 67 percent from three last year yeah Uh, just which like yeah obviously you can't reproduce that i mean that i actually didn't realize it was that high until i'm looking at espn right now um like no one can you, unless you're Steph Curry you can't like consistently do that but still to be on the opposite ends and i mean it's been a long streak where he hasn't even made a 3 i mean Steph Curry's quite literally in a class of his own yeah yeah literally but uh yeah we'll get to him later um yeah. sort of transitioning into a little bit of a preview versus uh, of UCLA versus uh UNC they the stats, the stats people are giving, at least ESPN stats, are giving UNC only a 27.7% chance of winning this game. Mm-hmm. UCLA is 8-1 or 8-2. Now, records aren't everything here, but, like, they should be respecting, I think, UNC a little more here. This is closer to a 50-50, if anything. Hmm. Um, I don't know about that. So, the, the real key, the key man here is going to be Johnny Jazang for UCLA. 16.6 points per game, plays around 30 minutes, so three, so three-fourths of a game every time. The starter, so they have four starters who play just about 30 minutes every single game. Um, and four players who will score double digits a game. After that, it drops off a little bit. For UNC, it's a little deeper for us. Um, and the minutes are a little bit less for some people. Though Caleb Love, by and large, is playing the most minutes, at averaging 33.7 minutes a game, scoring 16.2 points per game. Uh, followed by Armando with 14 points per game. RJ Davis with 13. Brady Manick, 13. Dawson Garcia, 12. So our talent goes further down the list but then it just drops off with leaky though his stat block is misleading as well yeah i don't know this is this would be a perfect game to have Kerwin walton come back and be like yo uh, i can shoot threes yeah (laughs) yeah no that would be perfect or if caleb love pretended like ucla was duke oh my god yes please (laughs) yes Um, there are i think there are three three keys to this game the the first being which i mean this is like 
most games don't let their star go off on you um and i we we need to contain johnny juzang we need to make sure he doesn't go crazy on us doesn't go score 20 plus points on us that's that's the first thing second is we should be able to dominate down low in this game like i really think you know armando should have a feast against ucla hopefully i want to see him going to work down low um that's the second and third like we got to improve our three-point percentage because we can't do too much down low if the opponent if ucla knows that like we can't shoot threes and so then they start collapsing inside like we need our three-point guys we need caleb love we need rj davis we really need Kerwin walton to be out there drilling threes and even brady manic create space so that our guys down low can work um those are my three keys to the game yeah i i'm gonna have to agree with you there um we should be dominating the rebound market yes let's just say that we should be there um ucla will have more assists they like to pass it a lot more than we will tiger campbell is a really good really good like point guards yeah yes which we've had trouble dealing with just look at Mm -hmm. look at tennessee um i think i think 100 percent what we're gonna see is leaky and anthony harris rotating on johnny juzang yeah try to bottle up one source of points for ucla and then damage limit everybody else and then on the other hand we need to make sure we can get the transition transition scoring on on point here we need to make mm-hmm. sure that when we get the ball we push it up the court quickly before they're set in defense because these guys are experienced and once they're set in defense it's going to be harder to break them down yeah they have so much chemistry um we're fairly similar teams in terms of scoring uh especially with the three-point percentage so yeah I mean, they average more, a lot more than us. Oh, actually, no, actually, they don't average too much more. They're 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 similar. Similar, okay. They're, we're we're similar teams, except yeah. that we're going to have the clear advantage in size and rebounding. It's a matter of how can we transition it. We we cannot afford to let this game get out of hand. The longer this game goes on and it's close. Or we're leading, the better for us. Rather, obviously, if it's leading, but if it's close, then and we we need to make also make sure we put them into foul trouble, put their bigs into foul yeah. trouble because they cannot compete with somebody like Dawson Garcia. Just they can't. So uh, yes, I believe that is everything. That's going to be such an exciting game this weekend. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, I think I think that's all we got about basketball, right? Yeah, on to soccer. Yes. So, uh, time to come clean about my uh, predictions about the UEFA Champions League. Um, yeah. So I predicted <laughs> back uh, was it in August or September when the groups were drawn, uh, who would be coming out of each group of the Champions League. Now, in each group was four teams. They all play each other twice, and then. The two teams with the highest score, uh, highest score amount of points, um, go into the knockout stages of the Champions League, where it basically becomes like March Madness, single elimination, uh, with a two-leg game every time. Um, 
and the losers just lose. Um, so let's go ahead through Group A. Now, Group A was Manchester City in Paris Saint-Germain, also known as PSG, uh, RB Leipzig, and Club Bruges. Now, I predicted that Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain would make it out. Got that right. I don't think that there's any surprises there. It's no cookies, no brownie points to be had there. It's just what happens. It's basically chalk. Now, Group B is where I made a little bit of a bold prediction. And uh, Group B contained Atletico Madrid, who I said would advance, and they did advance. Liverpool, who I said shockingly would not advance, but they ended up advancing. Porto and AC Milan, who I said would advance but did not advance. So I got one wrong there. Now... Yeah, so now Group C was Sporting Lisbon, who uh, I said would not advance but ended up advancing. Borussia Dortmund, who I said would advance but did not advance. Um, Ajax, which is from the Netherlands. Uh, Ajax, it's spelled Ajax, but it's pronounced Ajax. The Netherlands. I said they would advance and they didn't advance. And then Besiktas from Turkey, I got right that they would not advance. So group Dortmund not advancing that was a shock. That is a huge shock, and especially huge with some shock. of the talent they have on there, they're a hundred percent losing some of their talent. Yeah, that they are, they are all about the Champions League because they know they have no chance in the uh, Bundesliga. Bundesliga yeah. because Bayern meet it. Bayern wins every time. Yes, uh, Group D. Now, uh, my predictions for Group D advancing would be. Real Madrid and Shakhtar Donetsk, but Shakhtar Donetsk did not advance. <laughs> yeah, um, Inter Milan did actually advance. Now, the logic behind this for me, the reason I got this wrong was that Inter Milan was in such financial trouble that I felt that they would be in total collapse, but they didn't quite mm-hmm. totally collapse at all. They've sort of got yeah. have gotten things together right now. So, and I said the uh, same. I, I that was kind of my reasoning for having Inter at third as well, um, and yeah, yeah. And and one other thing for me, even though I had predicted Real Madrid to go through, I I wasn't. You know, I thought there was a chance a Shakhtar was going to win the group, and I think I pre- <laughs> I predicted that, which was awful. A Shakhtar did awful, but. Real Madrid really turned themselves around this year. I, I mean, their their offense has improved by a lot. Vinicius Jr. has had an amazing season, and they are looking, starting to look like the Real Madrid team that you know they've historically been. Um, now, I yeah. wouldn't quite go that far. They're not favorites for the Champions League by any means. Right. Right. Yeah. But they're they've well, improved. Yeah. They've gotten they've put the pieces they have together, and they're going to make do with it until next year or next yeah. summer, where they're just going to go on another spending spree. Yeah, and you know this goes to something later, but they got a ridiculously tough draw for their uh, round of sixteen. Oh yes, I mean basically, and well, when we get to that, almost any other team, and they, I would say, they would go to the quarterfinals. Um, 
but not with this one. But anyways, we'll talk about that after we finish the recap of the group. Yes. Um, let's talk Gerpy. Bayern Munich, that's just chalk. They're going through. They're, they're, they're one of the best teams in Europe. And I said they would go through and they went through. Barcelona, I said, would figure out a way to get through. They have not made it through the group stage of the Champions League in a shock. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Instead, going from Group E in second place is Benfica from Portugal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Group F. What in the world? Group F was wild. There were so yeah. many possibilities in the last two weeks of who could advance and who couldn't. Um, but at the end, it ended. It ended up with Villarreal advancing, who I said would advance, and Manchester United, who I said would advance and advanced. At- Atalanta ended up third, barely. There, it was a very close group, and I did say mm-hmm. as such that this would be the most exciting group of the bunch. Group G, I got completely wrong. Like, actually, <laughs> the immediate inverse of what I said happened. Okay. Um, so I said Lille from France would not advance. They mm-hmm. did. Uh, I said Sevilla from Spain would advance. They did not. I said FC Salzburg from Austria would not advance. They ended up advancing. And I said Wolfsburg from Germany would advance and they did not (laughs) wild group yes wild group and finally group h this was this was just straight up chalk chelsea from england juventus from italy i said both had advanced and both advanced yeah i did 50 percent on this basically (laughs) (laughs) this is a little bit crazy win some you lose some yes um, I mean, no one really expected Dortmund and Barcelona to completely implode. Yes. But uh, something else some people did not expect was the Champions League draw for the knockout stage, the round of 16, to have to be redone. Yeah. After they yeah. realized that there was problems with their computer technical difficulties, as they said, though mm. people really aren't buying this. But uh, it was yeah. confirmed there was actually a problem that certain teams were not in the pot when they should have been, and teams that were that were in the pot shouldn't have been in there uh, when drawing who would face who, so they had to redo it all from scratch. This is the final matchup of teams here uh, that will start eliminating each other. Uh, so we're going to go through them one by one and predict them. Okay. So, okay. Let's start at the top. FC Salzburg from Austria versus uh, Bayern Munich from Germany. Bayern. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We both agree on that. Sporting Lisbon versus Manchester City. How does Manchester City get the easy draw every single time? Every time, yeah. Every single time they get the easiest draw. Yeah. So I, I don't think through. we I don't think we have uh I don't think we disagree on anything. No. Yeah, not it's there. Manchester City. Benfica versus Ajax. This is interesting. This is real interesting. Because these mm. aren't two uh these aren't two typical giants. 
Yeah. Uh, Benfica is a decently good team. Ajax is a decently good team. Um, Ajax is, I think, a lot younger than Benfica is. Um, I honestly don't know who's going to win. My gut tells me Ajax because they just have the coaching and the coaching structure behind them and the elite players they're basically raising to sell to other clubs because that's what their club is. It's basically a giant academy where they create really good young players and sell them off for mm-hmm. for money to buy more players and make them really good. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, I think Ajax is going to make it. Um, Ten yeah. Hag is the manager at Ajax, and he's really good. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I'm I'm going to say the same thing. Ajax has, even though they're like, from, you know, not one of the bigger clubs like Real Madrid or United or something like that. Like they, they have made it far in Europe in recent years. I mean, well, historically they they used to be great. Um, but 2018, 2019 season, they made it to the semifinals of the Champions League. Um, 2016, 2017, they made it to the final of the Europa League, which I know that's the level below, but still it takes talent to get that far. Um, so I feel like they are better equipped for knockout stage and have more experience yes. with knockout stages. Yes. Even last year, made it to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Like they... They find a way. They know the knockout stages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up is Chelsea versus Lille. Part of me wants to give Lille a chance because Chelsea hasn't actually looked good. Captain America for the win, uh, Christian Pulisic. <laughs> You're going for Chelsea. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Part of me thinks that. Uh, part of me thinks that uh, Lille has a chance, but also, you know what? I'm giving Lille a chance. Ooh. Oh man! Oh man! We're, we're disagreeing you're on picking, the first you're, one. You're picking Lille. Yeah. Lille. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. The next one is one of the two big matchups. Mm-hmm. Though you could count three, possibly, uh, but. Atletico Madrid, not to be confused with Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United. Now, Manchester United has been in quite a state in the last month. They uh, sacked, i.e. fired, their manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, a club legend. No hard feelings at all between the fans, players, and management, but things just weren't working. Uh, They brought in uh, interim manager Ralph Rangnick, who is basically the father of Gagan pressing, essentially the father mm-hmm. of a of a of a press where you start pressing from the front of your team, the attackers to try to limit the ball, and then you are. It's a very rigid team structure and how it works, mm-hmm. among other things. Not to get too technical with this, they're basically going to be using that structure built by Elegunner Solskjaer and the rebuild that's happened over the last three years to. Make do this season, and then Ralph Ragnick will step back from the interim manager role into a advisory role at the club and bring in a new manager, whether that's Ten Hag um, or um, Mauricio Pochettino from PSG or whoever else. Ooh, that'd be cool. Um, not a big fan of Pochettino, but we can talk about that later. 
in any case, Atletico hasn't had that much of a better season, really. It's... No. Uh, they're kind of struggling to score. That's not good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're struggling a little bit to score. Uh, La Liga has them on 29 points after 16 games, which is... Fourth in the... 13 league. points... 13 points behind Real Madrid. Yeah. At 42. I think that math is right. Yeah, yeah. So, it's not looking good for them. The Champions League is their only way forward, really. Unless Real Madrid slip up really badly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, Manchester United has the firepower and the secret weapon... Uh, and basically the kryptonite of, of Atletico Madrid named Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Ronaldo has something out against Atletico Madrid. Knocking yeah. them out of the Champions League every single time. Yeah. You know he's going to want to do it again. I'm saying United's going to do it. Ronaldo's yeah, going to do it again. Too. All right. I, I think it'll be close, but yeah. Ronaldo, he's just so clutch, especially against Atletico. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, Villarreal versus Juventus. Villarreal is really good. They're, like, they were capable of being first. Like, their record in La Liga doesn't explain what they what they actually are. They're a very well drilled team that can frustrate. Juventus mm-hmm. is a little bit of a mess. Yeah. They might not win the Scudetto, which is the championship in Italy. Um, they probably won't. Yeah, they probably won't. Yeah. On top of that, they're being investigated for financial stuff, shady financial oh, really? stuff. Oh, I think Villarreal is going through. Ooh, that's that's a hot take. That right is there. a hot take. That's a hot take. I'm gonna disagree with you. Um, Juve's they are doing poorly. I mean, they're behind Fiorentina and Syria, only two points above Empoli in Syria, but still they I just feel like they have more talent than Villarreal and then also Villarreal like they're 13th in the in their league. They Villarreal's closer to relegation in La Liga than they are to winning La Liga. And like yeah. Wild. They've had issues scoring goals, but their defensive structure games. their their defensive structure and how they play is really suited to the knockout stage. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, and I think it'll be a close one. Um, but it's just hard for me to pick the team that is 13th in La Liga over Juventus. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go there. All right. Yeah. This was the potentially third big matchup in the Champions League draw. Inter Milan versus Liverpool. Liverpool mm-hmm. is a big team. Inter Milan, last season you could definitely consider them a big team. This season they've fallen a, fallen a little bit off the totem pole, but they're still pretty good. So I'm gonna give I mean, them. Right that, I'm gonna give them that like seventy five percent of a big team. How about that? Versus Liverpool, okay. which is one of the favorites for the Champions League. I can only see one team winning this, and it hurts. I can only see yeah. Liverpool winning this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with you. Um, Inter Milan had a tough, a tough draw there. 
I mean, Inter Milan, I think they're doing well in their league. I mean, they're right now first. But just so hard to beat Liverpool. Liverpool's so good. Yeah. And they're more consistent, I feel like. So, Liverpool. So, uh, now we're up to the last. This is the biggest matchup. One of the two big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, versus Real Madrid. Now, Real Madrid has a fight to pick with UEFA for the draw. Because originally, in the first draw, before anything looked like anything was going wrong, Real Madrid was pitted to face Benfica. <laughs> so easy And they even put it on match. their social media as like, we're going to Portugal, guys. We're going to play Benfica. And then UEFA was like, hold up a second. Something's wrong. We're going to redo the whole thing. And then they got the hardest team. Then they got the, the team they just did not want to play. PSG. They gotta they gotta play Messi again. Yes, they do. And they don't have Ronaldo. PSG's winning. Uh, the ironic thing is that in the draw before this, Manchester United was pitted to face PSG. So we've got oh, that would have been so Ronaldo awesome, versus been Messi. Messi Ronaldo. No, I, I'm uh, tired of United playing PSG every single year now. <laughs> we beat them in the knockout stages with like a couple, a couple of toothpicks and, you know, some string <laughs> versus Neymar and Mbappe mm. <laughs> at PSG. Shocked them out. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to end on a win right there, but no, they had to draw us in the same group last year. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, looking at this, PSG with Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. Among other top drawer talent they haven't been firing on all cylinders they really haven't been working that well together in the french league of all leagues yeah now, the champions league they've shown up a lot more i gotta say yeah real madrid has been they've opened up a lead a very a very good lead in la liga already which gives them a little bit more leeway to rest some players in la liga to to do well in the champions league I don't know. Mm. The firepower of PSG or the total team sort of machinery that that seems to be working together properly at Real Madrid. That <sighs> is tough. That is very, very tough. Because PSG exudes hubris. Hmm. <sighs> I don't know. This is real tricky. I'm going to have to go with Real Madrid. I just like when teams are working. Yeah. Also, Mauricio Pochettino, the manager of PSG, I don't like him. I don't I, I, I don't like him as a manager. I think he's exceptionally overrated in that he is... When he had less talented teams, he was doing better than when he had more talented teams. He has significantly underperformed with highly talented teams, but overperformed mm-hmm. with less talented teams, which is a little bit of a red flag. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see him linked to the Manchester United job, I just pray it doesn't happen because I have a feeling he would just screw it up really badly. He is a guy who's come out and said trophies aren't everything. Oh boy. Yeah. When you're at a big club with the goals to win trophies, trophies are everything. 
So yeah, um, yeah. who are you going for here? I this is like really a uh, really a toss up. Yeah, um, and I mean, there's still time. I believe February is when they start playing these. Yeah, I'll just to have some disagreements. I'll go with PSG. All right, it's the things I'm thinking about are I I trust PSG stars more in a bigger environment, right? I mean, like, we've seen Messi do it. We've seen Neymar do it. We've seen uh, Mbappe do it. And while they, like, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, maybe make it seem like there's, they're not doing as well as they should. And, I mean, in league play, like, they just, they, they're not passing the eye test. Um, They've got that for them. I mean, just pure star power. Plus, frankly, I think that Real Madrid's going to, you know be so frustrated with uefa that they're going to be distracted a little bit right um because they're gonna you know real madrid fans probably think that the redraw had something to do with um (laughs) the whole super league scandal because you know has real madrid officially withdrawn from the super league i have no idea like i don't know if they have um and they're having a fight with la liga right now about some other financial things like they've got all this stuff going on in the background that make me concerned about them um so i'll pick psg just hard to say no to messi all right now uh this is one i mean there's still like two months before they play all this and five to six months before it's all decided but who's winning it all now that we know the Ooh. knockout teams, who's winning it all? No pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would say it's between it's between Bayern and Man City. Well, who? Uh, you got. I, I'm not going to let you off so easily. Oh, uh, I will. I'll say City. All yeah, right. I'll, I'll say City. I don't know, but mm, yeah, I'm going with Bayern Munich. I just don't see anybody who's going to be good enough to stop them. And since they yeah. have no challenge in Bundesliga this year, they can do they whatever can they try want. less. Yeah, yeah, they can rest their players for the big games. Yeah. So uh, that is the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Exciting stuff. But uh, we got one more thing to talk about. You know you know what it is. Every single episode, the end of the episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA a little bit. Now, uh, before we get into the standings, sort of looking at the teams individually, let's talk about a certain Steph Curry. Yeah. The chef himself, Steph Curry, who last night, I think it was last night, correct, um, versus the Knicks. He broke in Madison Square Garden. In yeah. Madison Square Garden, broke the NBA three-point record. Hmm. I mean, this is the most influential That's player amazing. of yeah. this generation. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, I I think yeah. he's more influential than LeBron. 
influential, yes. Because yes, Le- LeBron, LeBron followed and say almost the same thing with Kobe, basically. They followed the MJ example. Steph Curry changed the game. He completely uh, changed it. I mean, I don't know if LeBron necessarily followed the MJ example because, I mean, with his size, he's such a big, different, different player. But I will agree with you. Basketball is played differently today because of Steph Curry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, what else can we say other than this dude just, like... Everybody coming in to college basketball is seeing more threes. The players want to shoot more threes, and everybody else is having to adapt to it. And Roy Williams basically retired off of the fact that he his system no longer worked. Not properly. The, would you say that's about accurate? I mean... Maybe that's among what he meant. Among other when he things. Said, I mean, among other things. Maybe that's what he meant when he said not the right man for the job. But, yeah, um, I think I think I think there's a lot of things in the job that mm. he meant by not being the man for the job anymore. That the game mm. has changed. The game has changed significantly. The environment around the game has changed with NIL and other things. Mm-hmm. In that, maybe it's just time to take some rest. You know, he's been mm-hmm. working really hard on it. He doesn't want to leave it. Maybe leaving was the best thing he could do. So, yeah, I mean, it all stems from those years when these guys growing up are watching Steph Curry take insane threes from ridiculous locations, handoffs on the move off of off of. Um, off of picks, off of screens, off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Players can do like something. Kenny Smith said yesterday um, on NBA on TNT is that usually guys can do one of shooting off the dribble, shooting off a screen pass, or shooting. Um, I forgot what the third one is. Um, so, something else, or shooting mm-hmm. from like deep or something, really deep. Steph Curry can do all three consistently. And a lot mm-hmm. of the players coming in can't do all three of them. Right. So, yeah. I, I actually really liked uh, what uh, Kenny Smith did say about that. That mm-hmm. he's one of the best things to happen to basketball and one of the worst. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that record ain't falling. Um, right. Right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Charles Barkley, the round mound of rebound himself, uh, said <laughs> that that record ain't ever getting broken, and I agree with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's let's talk about the rest of the league now. The league mm-hmm. has been battling COVID. In fact, multiple mm-hmm. leagues have been battling COVID at this point. Um, the NBA, the NFL, the Premier League, actually. Yeah, everybody's getting COVID. Um, who, who was a uh, was it? Um, what college uh, did you mention was uh, shutting Cornell. down? Cornell, yeah, Cornell. 
900 something positive COVID cases. Yeah. Things are getting a little bad. Part mm. of me thinks it should be like a two week hiatus. Go enjoy Christmas, guys. You know, come back afterwards and we'll continue from there because, you know, 10 days to Christmas at this point. Um, and the teams who have been really hit the hardest are the Hornets, then the Bulls, and now the Nets. Yeah. The Hornets are starting to get out of it. Terry Rogier just came back. Uh, LaMelo Ball cleared the COVID protocol, but isn't going to play today against um, San Antonio, but he is with the G League. Um, and other players will start coming back. Kobe White's supposed to come back soon for the Bulls. I know that, but Zach Levine, among other players, have entered the protocol for the Bulls. To the point where the Bulls have had to cancel their game against the Pistons last Tuesday, or basically yesterday. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Nets are in trouble with COVID. Yeah, this isn't very fun right now. It's just trying to play a whack-a-mole for COVID. But beyond that, let's take a quick look at, uh, at the Eastern Conference. The Nets up top at number one. The Bulls at number mm-hmm. two. Milwaukee Bucks at three. Cleveland Cavaliers at four. They just won't go Let's down. Let's go. Cavs, Let's go. Uh, the Cavs are just real interesting right there. Oh, man. 17. Um, they are second in the NBA in an po- opponent's points per game. Um, Miami Heat at 16, uh, sitting at number five. Sixers at 15 wins wizards at 15 wins the hornets at 15 wins the celtics at 14 wins the hawks at Mm -hmm. 13 wins along with the raptors at 13 wins knicks at Mm -hmm. 12 pacers at 12 and then just drops off that eastern conference is so congested Mm -hmm. that is so congested it can change you know in a 10 game stretch it can change drastically yes yes yeah yeah that's Um, not exactly the same thing in the west no not at all the west is very top heavy the warriors 23 and 5 they've Mm -hmm. in the last 10 games they have lost three though um so they're sort of their golden time has sort of run out but Clay Thompson is coming back very, very soon. It's mm-hmm. going to be a huge bonus. Behind them, the Phoenix Suns, 22-5, and five, uh, having played, of course, one game less than the Warriors at this point. Um, they beat the uh, Portland Trailblazers yesterday in overtime. Um, and Sierra Little actually started that game for the Blazers. And uh, Cam Johnson had, a, I think, a 12-point outing, 4 of 10 from 3, something like that. Uh, for mm-hmm. the Suns, so pretty good. Both of them are playing. Nice reunion for them. Yeah. Then the Utah Jazz at number three. Um, in fact, both of us had those three th- three teams at the top in our predictions, in some order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we know what we're talking about at least a little bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> then the Grizzlies, without John Morant, are eight and, uh, are, uh, in the last 10, 10 games are eight and two. That's very surprising. I don't know very what's surprising. going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, 
The Clippers, five, Lakers, six, separated by one game. 16 wins for the Clippers, 15 for the Lakers. So close to each other right there. Um, Lakers are sort of getting back into gear. They've won more than they've lost recently, six and four in the last 10. Um, yeah. They're starting they're to figure progress. it out. Yeah. I think they'll yeah. climb up a little bit. I, I have a feeling the Clippers are going to start to go downwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, Mavericks at number seven, though, uh, and they've played their last few games without Luka Doncic, which is like mm-hmm. that's a that's hard. That team is Luka Doncic plus Co. You know, yeah, they don't really have much of a co-star. Maybe Porzingis, but not really. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you ask who else other than Porzingis and Doncic is on the Mavericks, people will say Boban marjanovic not because he's a great player yeah. like he's good he's a matchup nightmare but because everybody mm-hmm. just loves his personality uh denver nuggets at eight uh, i don't know like that, injuries are hurting right. them injuries lack of murray and other, among other things it's hurting them a lot it really is the timberwolves yeah. climbed up into the ninth spot they're in the play-ins here 12 and 15. They're doing it. They're starting to look decent, which, like, that's what they should be. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Kings, since sacking, uh, I keep saying sacking. I've watched too much British stuff. Um, firing <laughs> Luke Walton. Uh, are 11 and 17, also number 10 in the play ins. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 5 and 5, 50, 500 in their last 10 games. The Blazers, poor Blazers. They're on a one and nine streak right now. Yeah, not the eleven and seventeen. Oh, excuse me. It is. Uh, I'm. I'm obviously very tired. Uh, <laughs> San Antonio Spurs are um, one one and a half games out of the play-ins at ten and sixteen. The Houston Rockets. Uh, mm. What happened to them? They're they're eight and two in their last ten games. They're coming out of nowhere. Eight and two. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, OKC is eight and 18. And the Pelicans are 500 in their last 10 games, which is, I guess, an improvement from the start of their season. But they're still last in the league. Not in the league, sorry. They're last in the West. Mm-hmm. And Zion's still not back. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think about them right now. They got to get some more control. I don't... Like, seriously, injuries... The Pelicans are just bad. Yes. They're just bad. Yeah. Poor Pelicans. Yeah. Well, yeah. I not poor, but like, yeah, Brandon Ingram. Like, is it their coaching? Is it their talent? Oh, yeah, they, they, they just don't have the scoring. The only mm. two players contributing in points really are Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas. 22.9 points per game and 18.7 points per game. Then it falls off with 13 uh, for Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Devontae Graham. 
mm-hmm. Josh Hart with 11, then it just falls in single digits. It isn't really good. Why? I honestly don't understand why Brandon Ingram decided to stay in New Orleans. He could have gotten. Know. He could have gotten some good payment, probably somewhere good to go. Maybe the Pelicans should blow it up. I don't know. Can they really rely on Zion to come back and actually contribute? Or is Zion mm-hmm. just faking injury? Not really faking injury. I don't think you can really fake injury that much, but just not trying because he just doesn't want to be in New Orleans. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But somebody who is trying, you know, let's let's flip this around to something positive. I like positivity. Somebody who is trying is Cole Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this guy, he is a second year player. Is averaging twenty and a half points per game, six point one rebounds per game, and five point six assists per game. Mm-hmm. Ladies That's... and gentlemen, Cole Anthony is legit. Yeah. Now this was yeah. before the podcast started, but I did say to Andrew and, yeah. and to many other people, Cole Anthony falling as far as he did was such a good get. He he has such a high ceiling. One of the best players mm-hmm. in this draft. You, yeah, it's you showing. It, it is showing. This guy, he has such a good work ethic. He has the skill set for it, and he's a very good communicator and team player. Mm-hmm. In the last year, I've been uh, just occasionally perusing the uh, sort of NBA forums and stuff. The Magic fans have really warmed up to him even before he went on this uh, uh, improved scoring stretch. So mm-hmm. look out. He, he is in the conversation for most improved. Mm-hmm. He is in the most in, in the conversation for most improved. So yeah. I yeah, is there anything is. else we can uh, talk about? Anything else we should talk about? I don't think so. I think I think we covered it all. Yeah, trade rumors are kind of still popping up for the between the Blazers and a bunch of other teams for Ben Simmons. Who the heck knows what's going to go on at this point? Yeah. It's just airs being circulated around. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think we'll just end it right there for now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, will we have time for one more episode before Christmas? Maybe. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe uh, yeah. it might be a little shorter of an episode, but hopefully we can get something out. But um, thank you all for listening. Do spread uh, this podcast around, help us grow our audience, and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. Mm-hmm.